hello everybody welcome back glad to have you coming to you in a mostly pre-recorded fashion from the heart of south louisiana where we live by the three f's that of course being food fun and football this is a week off for most of louisiana football at least if you're a saints or an lsu fan so there's not a whole lot to do for us unfortunately (laughs) so be that as it may sports aside this is the down south it podcast and my name is clark Now, if you've seen the Facebook page recently, you may have noticed a couple of videos that I posted with some Christmas lights, and that could only mean one thing. That's right. The build is finally done. Everything's working like it should be. The third part of the Raspberry Pi Christmas light controller is done. It's online. And as of now of this recording, I'm still waiting on three more reels of LED lights to come in so I can install everything up on the house for the holidays. But the controller itself is working and it's working awesome. Better than I actually thought it was going to. So now that the controller build is done, part three of the build guide is done as well. You can check out that check that out on the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. Once all the rest of the uh, the LEDs come in, I will, of course, get that up and installed on the house and take some video of that so you can see how everything works together. And I'll be putting that on the YouTube channel, on Facebook, and on the website for you all to check out. I'm hoping everything comes in and I can get everything up before the season finale and the holiday break. But if it doesn't, I'll still put the videos up whenever it does come in. So they're coming. I'm just waiting on parts as Per usual so don't know how long customs is going to take to get all of that in from overseas but we shall see so either way keep up with the website facebook and the youtube channel and you won't miss those videos because i will put them up as soon as i can now let's kind of get into the meat of potatoes where we at here right now there are a ton of pre-built computers out there from big boxes all the way down to little boutique manufacturers That'll give you the option to water cool your bright, shiny new PC. But should you? Bad thing is, I really can't specifically tell you yes or no. Because everyone uses their computer a little bit differently. They use it for different things. So what I can do is tell you the advantages and disadvantages of each. And at the end, I'll give you a couple of different options of fan coolers and AIO coolers, all-in-one coolers. And that way, you at least know the advantages and disadvantages of each type. A couple of really good ones if you decide to go that route. You know, it's not going to be a top five, maybe a top two or three. You know, it's not going to be that that kind of thing. So, But first off, we'll start with the three ways that you can actually cool your computer, by which I mean your CPU. The most basic and probably the most inexpensive is with air. And you do that by using different kinds of fans. Now, all computers, whether they're PC, Mac, servers, tiny mini PCs, anything like that, all of them produce heat when their components are working. Now, whenever they're under load while doing different things, gaming, whatever, especially intensive stuff, they produce a lot more heat. And if they get too hot, they shut down, which is not good. So... All PCs, Macs, everything have fans in them to keep the heat in check. Now, there are case fans, which 
take cold air in from the outside and bring it into the case. And you could, there could be either, there are a lot of different sizes for, for case fans and stuff like that. You could be all the way from 40 mil fans for servers and switches all the way up to 140 millimeter fans. And those you can find on a lot of new cases and they're huge. <laughs> they're big ass fans. They really are big ass fans. So the whole reason they do they're there is either to suck cool air from outside the case and blow it into the case to cool to at least get cool air into the case or to blow hot air from the case back out. Now, most of these most cases use a few different fans in conjunction to flow the air from outside inside the case and then back outside. And that's the airflow that we really need. And that airflow is important because that means there's always cool air passing over the motherboard and other all the other parts in there. And that dissipates the heat coming off of them and cools them down. Now, in the case of CPUs, there are fans out there just for them because CPU coolers have separate parts that work together to keep the chips cool because these chips by far produce the most heat. Now, outside of, you know, some graphics cards and stuff like that. But for the most part, CPUs produce the most heat out of anything on your motherboard. So they have special fans to take that into account. Now, they do run different parts that work together to keep those cool under load and to basically siphon away the heat from the chip. Now, CPUs work more efficient the colder they are. So the cooler you keep it, the better it's going to run. Now, most coolers, like I said, use a combination of different things. They use fans, they use heat sinks, they use heat pipes and radiator fins they use a combination of these things to keep everything running now a heat sink is basically just a large chunk of metal with fins cut into it with a fan on top of it now the fins cut into it give the air a lot more surface area that if the fans blowing on it it gives more contact with the air so it cools off the metal the metal itself basically just transfers the heat from the CPU into the metal and then the, the fan blows the metal cooling that off. So it's basically just a giant siphon. In the case of some other fan coolers, you do have heat pipes with a copper plate usually that sits on the CPU itself. The copper plate's welded to the heat pipe and the pipe goes up and connects to some fins. It looks kind of like the, the outside of your air conditioner outside. And what it does is there's a liquid in the heat pipe that when it gets hot, it turns to gas. Now, that gas goes up to the heat pipe, goes up the heat pipe to the fins where a fan blows the, on the fins and cools off the gas. That turns it back to a liquid. It goes back down to the CPU and it just makes a giant loop that way. Now the fins are there mainly because that gives the air a lot more surface area to cool off the heat pipes. So the more surface area you have, the more potential you have to cool off the pipes, which in turn cools off the CPU. Now, the good thing about fan options and these types of options is that they're cheap. A really good cooler will probably be 80 bucks or less. They're really power efficient since most of them only have one fan. They do a really good, they do a fairly good job of keeping 
keeping your CPU cool. They do have a lot of models that do have two fans on them, though. Now, there are a couple of drawbacks, though, is that some of these are kind of noisy. You know, the fans have become quieter in the last few years, but if you want dead silence, they're not the way to go. Now, their performance is fair. You know, they, they, re they do a good job, but because of the way the heat transfers and air cools things down, they can only cool the CPU so much. And that brings us to water cooling. There are a couple of different options when you're thinking about water cooling. I'll do one at a time. Both work on the same principles, though. And basically, the air can only transfer a certain amount of heat, like I said before. But water is a better solution because it's a better conductor of heat. Water is able to move the heat away from the CPU and then be cooled down again and then sent back to the CPU once it's been cooled down again. This is the water loop that you use whenever you're water cooling. The loop does have a few different parts and the easiest thing to work with is called an AIO or an all-in-one. So I'm going to start with those. And they're basically just all-in-one packages. Everything's already put together. The liquid's already in there. All you have to do is put the fans on it and install it on the CPU and then plug it in. That's it. They're really easy to do. They come with a cooling block that mounts on the CPU. And that's usually a large copper plate. And that, that's good because copper transfers heat very well. On top of the block, you have a pump, which pumps the, the heated water from the CPU back toward the, ra the radiator or rad. And it pumps the water through some really thick tubing. This can be braided or not. Just kind of depends on the manufacturer. Once it gets into the, ra the radiator, the fans that are mounted on the radiator will blow air through the radiator, cooling off the liquid. And then because of the, the pump, the water that's cooled off now gets pumped back to the CPU to cool it off again and then back up into the radiator. So it just makes a endless loop. There are a, different, a ton of different models of all-in-one coolers now. They have one, two, or three fans, and usually they're, the radiators are classified by how many fans and the size of the fans that there are. So the bigger the cooler, the more potential that it has to cool the CPU. Now, they do have 120 mil fans that come with those. Some are 140s. But if you have a single 120 millimeter fan, they're going to call it a 120 rad. Or if you have two of them, it's going to be a 240 or a 360. Now, like I said, the, lar the larger the, the radiator is, the more potential for cooling it has because it has a lot more surface area that it can, the air can cool it off. Now, in most cases, not all, but most, a 120 or a 240 will cool a, a regular CPU perfectly well. In fact, most in a lot of times, a 240 will almost be overkill on some CPUs. But all-in-ones are a great way to cool your PC, your CPU, especially if you're doing a lot of CPU-heavy activities for long periods like video editing or gaming or something like this. The coolers will easily keep your CPU 10 to 15 degrees cooler on average for longer, and they're almost dead silent. So you don't have a lot of that fan noise you get with the air coolers when the fans spin up if things get hot. 
but they aren't without, without their drawbacks though. One thing being, if the pump goes out, you really won't know about it until the CPU overheats and the computer shuts down. So you'll be working on something and it just dies. And you have absolutely no reason to wonder why until you narrow it down and say, oh yeah, the pump went out. So, and you know that's always going to be a bummer because it's going to happen right when you're in the middle of doing something. But another thing that can happen is that they can leak. And we all know water and electronics do not mix at all. So that could cause a lot of really bad things to happen. And the last bad thing with those is actually price. These aren't nearly as pricey as the full system that I'm going to talk about next, but a decent all-in-one cooler will cost you anywhere between 100 and 150 bucks. Now, that, of course, depends on the size, the brand, the features, you know, if you want RGB lighting on it, that kind of thing. So, but they're, they're not just a drop in the bucket. But what if you had a balls-out gaming rig that you ran hot all the time? Your CPU cooks. The graphics card ends up like a hot plate after you play Fortnite for an hour or so. What option do you have? In this case, it would be water cooling again, but it's on a different scale. Now, for something like this scenario, you would not only cool the CPU with water, but you can add the graphics card, the motherboard chipset. You can add all of that into that water loop too. Now, at least for the last several years, there have been companies that make water cooling blocks for different types of CPUs, different graphics cards, motherboards, and a bunch of other parts that warm up while you're using your PC. That, uh, you know, all of those things you want to keep cool. So you basically have to buy a water cooling block for each part. And each of those blocks could run you anywhere between 125 and 150 bucks. So not only that, but you do have to run tubing from and to all the connections. You have to have a good pump that's going to be separate from the one that's actually on the CPU and the all-in-ones. The pump is separate in this type of system. And the system also has a reservoir. So it's basically a big column of water in a, in a container. That way there's always an ample amount of water in the system just in case, you know, some happens to evaporate because it does do that over time. And, you know, that's a good idea because it also lets you monitor if there's a leak somewhere or not. So if the water level drops in a system like this a lot over like the course of a day or two, then you know somewhere there's a drip. <laughs> you might not know where it is, but you can at least see there is a drip somewhere. And of course, these systems have giant radiators too. These are normally the 360 millimeter radiators, the really big ones, because you want to get the maximum amount of cooling for all of these parts. Now, a system like this is very expensive, mainly because of all the parts you need to get it going. But they do have even some pre-built systems that can run you five to six hundred dollars. So even if it's just a kit, it can run you a nice price tag on it. And if you decide not to get a kit, and do all of the pieces and parts, you know, separate, it could get even pricier. So it kind of depends on which route you decide to go as to how you want to proceed. But again, just like with the regular AIOs, you know, these will keep your everything 10 to 15 degrees cooler on average, depending on the type of pump. And even this time, the, it depends on what type of, what type of fluid you get. 
because you can use strictly water, tap water, but those do gum up the pumps every now and then from from time to time, just from little nasties and stuff that are in the water. Some say use distilled water just in case because that doesn't have all of those minerals and junk in the, the water. But they do have a lot of companies that make their own radiator fluid or, you know, loop fluid. So that way you can it has all of the benefits of the water, but it doesn't have all of the nasty stuff. Plus, it keeps everything lubricated and working like it should. Now, the other bad thing with the all the big system like that is that every connection has the, the probability to leak. So every fitting, every block, every connection could leak if they're not seated right and seated tight. So if you do decide to go with a system like that, you have to make sure that everything is checked, double checked and triple checked so it doesn't leak on you. But again, these types of systems work very well. They'll keep everything cool. They look good. And they're all, they are, again, almost perfectly silent. So... If you want something that doesn't have a lot of noise, that's something to go with. But again, like I said, probably your easier route would be the all-in-ones. Now, back to the original question. Now, should you water cool? And I'll answer it kind of like this. If the demands that you put on your computer are high enough that you would get a measurable benefit from it, then yes, go for it. But if your normal activity on your PC that you use every day isn't very demanding, but on occasion you play a game or two and some, you know, some of the other things, video editing, editing pictures, that kind of thing. And you don't put a whole lot of demand on your hardware. Then I would say instead of water cooling, either stick with what you have or just opt for a larger fan cooler and you'd be perfectly fine. So after all that, how do you even know what temperature your, comp your components are running at. You know, it's not in most of the normal performance monitors that are baked into Windows or anything like that. So if you want a good idea of what your machine is running at, here are a couple of programs to help you out. Now, granted, I have not been paid by either developer or any of these companies that I'm going to be mentioning in this segment or the following with the different AIOs and stuff. It's just a list I compiled based on experience and public reviews. Now, first up is Specky. This is a program from the same people that make CCleaner, and which who actually was bought out by Avast not long ago. And that, the, you know, the, the CCleaner is the app that cleans all the junk files off your computer and stuff like that. But Specky pulls pretty much every component and a lot of different things from every corner of your computer and brings it all into one window. And there's a list on the left, if you click on that, you can click on each device on the left side and it will show you the type of device it is along with the temps, the speed it's running, voltage, percent of it is that it's being used. It's a great little tool to have in your toolbox and things do change in real time so you can monitor if things are going kind of wonky on you. So that, that's a great tool. I, I use it often, believe it or not. The second is HW Monitor and this one's a little more no frills than Specky is, but it'll still give you temperature, voltage readouts, all of that in real time. I have screenshots and links to both of these in the show prep. So just head over to the website, click the link under the embedded player for that. And you can see 
the show prep for all the episodes. All you have to do is just pick the one that you want to see. Everything will be right there. Now we can get to the best coolers that you can buy right now. Now I'll do two of each. And of course, I'm going to link everything in the show prep. So you can check all of that out there. And I'll do the fan coolers first. No, no particular order or anything like that. So first up is going to be the Noctua NHD15. And these are very quiet. They have two fans. And they're probably the most efficient fan coolers on the market right now. And Noctua makes probably the best fans, period, on the market right now. Granted, the they might not look all that great because they're tan and brown in color. So aesthetics aside, they got it where it counts. And these things will last you a long time to boot. So Noctua has been making coolers for a long time. And like I said, these are probably the, the DH-15 is probably one of their best. I know it's one of their best selling and it's a very, very good cooler. And those will run you right about 80 bucks. Next up is the Cooler Master Hyper 212 Black Edition. And this is a good little cooler. It's a little smaller than the Noctua one. So if you have a little less space in your case, you know, this might be one you want to kind of look into. There is RGB lighting effects on the fan. So, you know, if you want that, you can have that. If you don't, you can just not plug in the RGB cables and it'll just it'll still run just fine. No big deal. The fans aren't quite as quiet as the Noctua fans. But, you know, to be honest, most fans that some of these other companies have aren't going to be as quiet as the Noctua ones. So. But this one will serve you well. It's a great little cooler. And it's right about half the price of the Noctua. So this one you can have for right around 40 to 45 bucks, depending on where you find it. Now, moving on to the AIOs. Probably the best one on the market right now is going to be the Corsair H100i Pro. And this is going to run you about 140 bucks. It's very compact. It's almost silent works great on just about any cpu that you might have and if you want a little bit of flare it does have rgb lighting on it too corsair has been making coolers and different computer components for 20 plus years and this is why they're probably one of the best in the business if you want a water cool this should be your first look it really should great cooler they recently put an update out on it uh, they have a h150i and they have a H115i, but I haven't really seen a whole lot of reviews on those to give them a thumbs up yet. So if you're going, look for the H100i Pro or the H100i, I believe it's RGB Platinum. The Platinum, of course, is going to be a little bit more on the pricey side. I think those run about 180, but those are updates to this design and this cooler. So but next up, the second one is going to be the NZXT Kraken X72. Uh, this is for more high-performance machines. The, the radiator is a little bit bigger than Corsair's. This one actually has three fans on it, and it'll keep even the most demanding CPU heat off, off your CPU. It has a six-year warranty on it also, and it does have addressable RGB lighting on it if you want to do that. It, if you don't need all three fans or if you don't have room for a radiator quite that big, there is a smaller version, the X62, and that one only has two fans. 
but the rest of the specs are pretty much exactly the same as the big one. The X72 will run you about 190 and the X62 will run you about 140 So it's about the same price as the Corsair. Here we are, and I hope that if nothing else today, I kind of got you thinking a little bit better on how to cool your computer and how cooling your computer works because it is important for the long-term health of your, your PC. Now, depending on how you use your computer, you may benefit from an upgrade over your stock coolers. And upgrades are always good, right? Of course they are. They're upgrades. I mean, come on. So I do want to take a second to thank all of you, though. The podcast is doing really well beyond anything that I actually really expected. We've recently passed 2,500 total streams of the podcast, and the website's almost at 3,000 views. That's awesome considering I only started doing this about a year and a half ago. I never thought it would have got this high this fast, to be honest. So I really can't thank you all, uh, everybody, and thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to, to listen and, you know, spend your day, a little bit of your day every couple of weeks with me. It really does mean a lot. And speaking of the website, you can head over to the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. Take a look around if you hadn't looked in a while. I've been adding a lot of things on there, doing some tweaking. So third part to the Christmas light show build is up so you can see that. And if you can go through, it'll take you step by step on how to build a dancing Christmas light controller using only a Raspberry Pi and a few other things you can get at the hardware store. So, but it's a lot cheaper than using, than getting one of those pre-built systems and stuff like that. It is a lot cheaper. So if you kind of want to take that undertaking on, let me know. It was a long time coming to get it finished up, but it's complete so you can check out the entire thing, start to finish. And if you want to check out anything that I talked about today, everything's going to be up on the show prep, all the links, the prices, pictures of the coolers, so you can see what they look like, screenshots for the two temperature monitoring uh, apps. All that's up there on the, the show prep, so you can check that out. And if you check want to check out anything else I talked about, you can check out any of the other show prep for the other episodes. You can also find all the links to where the podcast is right there at the top of the homepage. It's the most convenient place I could put it. And you can always check out the Facebook page too. I'm always posting stuff on there. I'm getting a good bit of following on there, which is awesome. Thank you. And just like I like to end every episode, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all again for listening. You guys are all the best. I love you. I'll see you next time right here on the Down South IT Podcast. Later.